Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got uh, Ian Lehman with me here. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to hear your story and basketball and just kind of growing up and all the, the lessons that you learned so far in your life, too. So thanks for being here. Yes. Excited to be here. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and start from the beginning, kind of what it was like growing up for you. Um, I grew up in Indiana, um, so basketball was kind of always the big, uh, the big thing, you know, for everybody. Everyone, we started playing competitive basketball when we were like four. You kept score. You did practice every day. So, um, my dad was always my coach. So, kind of just wanted to please him. Mm-hmm. I knew he liked basketball. I liked basketball. Um, so, played basketball growing up. Moved to Ohio. Played basketball and. Uh, like I said, my dad was my high school coach even, so it was from literally from four till high school. Really? Um, my dad was my high school coach and followed in his footsteps and, you know, kind of wanted to to be like him. So Mm -hmm. growing up, it was a lot of me and my dad going to basketball tournaments, practice, bringing home what we wanted to do the next game, button heads at home over dinner over, you know, what we did wrong in a game. So that was kind of life growing up was basketball, playing basketball. basketball. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Do you have any siblings growing up? Yeah, younger brother and a younger sister. So okay, they they got a little bit of the coaching from my dad, but it was after I graduated, so they didn't get it from from the youth. Which I think they're pretty excited about that they didn't have to yeah go through it their whole career. Yeah. So was your dad? Was he uh, has he always been a coach, like a high school coach? Or? Yeah. Yeah. When I was young and he was coaching me, he's coached volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done. I think pretty much every sport you could think of. He was an athletic director, so okay, gotcha. if someone quit a week before the season, he was kind of the one that filled in, in yeah, yeah. until they found a head coach. Yeah. So sports was always a big thing for, for my whole family. Mm-hmm. So growing up, Indiana, Ohio, was Indiana always the place that you always watched growing yeah, up? Yeah, my mom uh, went to undergrad at IU, so because of her, I became an IU fan. The 2002... Uh, 2002, they made a run to the national championship, lost to Maryland. So ever since then, IU basketball was kind of the big deal to me. Yeah. Um, then I moved to Ohio, and everyone loves Ohio State. And I was like the one to make sure like everyone knew, like, I'm not the Ohio State yeah. fan. I'm the IU fan. Like, I had my candy striped pants, wore a jersey around. Like, yeah, Indiana basketball was a big deal for me yeah. growing up. Just my mom went there, and I thought it was you know, probably helped that they were good mm-hmm. when I was younger and just wanted to to be an IU Hoosier. Yeah, where did your dad go to school? Ball State. Ball State, okay. So yeah. both of them went in state, but IU was a little bit more prestigious in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you play any other sports? I mean, you talked a little bit about some other stuff, but um, was basketball just kind of the primary sport you always yeah, played? Yeah, actually, basketball was my third best sport in high school. Oh, really? I was not a very good basketball player, although I thought I was. <laughs> I was a, uh, I ran track and cross country. Um, and that was probably what I excelled at a little bit more, but new basketball was my favorite sport. So it was mostly basketball and I'd run track and cross country too. Okay. Gotcha. How did you wind up, you know, looking at colleges, how do you wind up at Indiana? Um, 
I knew from the get-go uh, I wanted to go to IU. So I was that freshman in high school, like, I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to start at Indiana mm-hmm. and eventually be the head coach at Indiana. And uh, knew I wasn't good enough to play and wanted to be a manager, which I don't know anyone that wants to be a manager when they're <laughs> 15 years old. Um, so always knew it was going to be Indiana. Always knew I was going to work with basketball there. Uh, so really there wasn't much of a decision when it came it was just whether I could get in or not. So once I got in, there was no second thought or anything. I was going to Indiana and I was going to make it work one way or another. Yeah. Well, kind of touch on that because I think some people can listen in and, and think, well, how do you get involved on a, on a coaching staff or being a manager yeah. at, a, at, a firm, at a program like Indiana? Yeah. What, is that, what was that process like and how did you get an opportunity to be a manager? At Shoot. At, at Indiana, there is, I mean, there's a, a big... Uh, I call it a fraternity of managers. Um, I have friends in the NBA college. Um, before me, there's you know former NBA head coaches, um, even uh, college head coaches. So being an IU manager, I think, is something people don't know about until you get involved with it. So it was, I was emailing coaches, anyone, just like trying to get my foot in the door. You don't know anybody. You're just like hoping at 18 years old you can find your way in. Um, they actually, at Indiana, they did uh, interviews, so I went through an interview, then you play a pickup game, um, and then from the pickup game, they kind of narrowed their list to six fresh, six new guys, most of them are freshmen. Based upon your shooting ability, right? Yeah, luckily, yeah. luckily uh, mine wasn't based upon my ability, so <laughs> I, think, I think I kind of sold them on being a coach's son. I, I knew the game a little bit, so um, yeah, it was actually extremely competitive. It's not just like, you, I always thought like, it's, I'm going to be free help they'll just take me. And then there's like 40 people at this meeting and I'm like, holy smokes. Yeah, this is competitive. So it was really competitive, but really cool. From the get-go, you kind of saw like, man, this is not an easy industry to get into. Like you really got to separate yourself and you can't just, you know, like most industries, you don't just make it. Like it's a building process to kind of get to where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things uh, I worked camp at Kansas one summer uh-huh. and that is their like interview. Oh, really? Those guys, yeah. So they have tons and tons of people trying out to be managers mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way they test test the people camps, <laughs> camps are not the way to work yeah that is that <laughs> is like, a oh. real challenge too <laughs> so it, it's funny i mean as this big power uh, power uh, teams in the power five conferences that is how sometimes it, it works yeah so very competitive yeah no way more competitive than i think i realized or i think even most people realize yeah what goes on so when you get an opportunity to be a manager, what was the experience like the first time you, you know, like step on day one? What was that like? Man, a whirlwind probably yeah. is the best word to describe it. Like you have, I mean, a fully functioning program where, I mean, if a manager messes up, now it leads to a GA who has to fix it, but they're behind. So the assistant coach is mad at them. So the assistant coach is behind, which leads to the head coach being behind, <laughs> which means, you know, we may not be able to show film when we're supposed to. So like, you're kind of thrown in, you're learning on the fly, um, and really you just kind of got to be a sponge and absorb information. But the first day, I probably blacked out because I was so excited and <laughs> nervous and like, you know, you're meeting coaches that you followed for, you know, the past couple years. Um, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what my first day was like because I, I was just so excited and nervous and like mm-hmm. everything's going through your mind. You're trying to say the right things and remember everyone's name and and do everything, but but I'm, I know my first year was probably the biggest learning experience and biggest learning curve that I've gone through for 
anything else I've done. Mm-hmm. And, and was Coach Crean the head coach? Yep, Coach Crean, Coach Crean was the head coach, and it was right after they made a Sweet 16 and won the Big Ten. So, okay. I mean, they were rolling. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they had a disappointing season. Like, they had everything figured out. Yeah. And they were rolling. Well, and also, too, uh, maybe talk about your experience. You said it was a whirlwind for you that first year. To go through that, what was it like in the moment? Like, did you have any thoughts where it's like, man, this is, this is pretty tough stuff. I don't know if this is for me. What was that like? Yeah, I think the first year was the hardest year as far as, like, am I cut out for college basketball? Like, mm-hmm. um, you have, I mean, senior managers who are working 80, 90 hours a week, yeah. and I'm like, how are they doing this? So my goal was just kind of be as available as possible. I went to class. In between classes, I'd come back, and I'd work. Um, I just wanted them to feel that I was all in, that I was willing to do whatever it took to help, you know, help the program win. So... Yeah, first year there was definitely a lot of questions of, is this what I want to do, you know, the rest of my life? Do I want to work like this? Do I want the pressure of, I mean, you lose and people are ready for you to go. Yeah. Um, you win, they think you're great, but it's so hit or miss, you know, with what fans perceive you as. It, it was tough, but I think it was really good to kind of see, you know, how other managers, GAs, assistants cope with the environment and mm-hmm. trying to learn from, you know, from what they do, but at the same time, enjoy the process. And, and I, I, did, I loved my first year, but at the same time, it was like the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a grind for sure. Yeah. So uh, with the guys on staff, were there any coaches that you really gravitated towards uh, that you really looked up to and admired as, because of the way they handled themselves and um, had, a, had a chance to learn from? Yeah, there was. I mean... I'd say every person on staff was a little bit different. Um, the two coaches that my first year really stuck out to me were Coach Buckley and Coach McLean. You know, outside of Coach Crean, who, who I got much closer as the years went on because I had more of an important role and grew closer to him. But the first year, um, really worked close with Coach Buckley and Coach McLean. And uh, Coach Buckley was really good about especially when you were new and, you know, everyone knows it's a whirlwind. He made sure you felt he remembered your name, made sure to talk to you, found out your high school. Um, you know, he would he would sit there and small talk with you for 10 minutes where you really felt appreciated. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, meant a lot just because, you know, it's such a get-stuff-done industry that sometimes you forget the relationships. And he, every day, made you feel like you were, like, the only guy in the room, and it was kind of like, hey, don't you have a scout to work on? But, yeah. like, he was cool with talking to you and making you feel really welcome. And then I did a lot of stuff with Coach McLean, too, and... He was the same way. He was a lot more rough around the edges, which I like. Uh-huh. Um, he kind of shot it straight with you and just kind of like was like a laid back. He'd come in. If he was bored, he'd come in and he'd like almost like make fun of you. But it was in a way like you kind of felt like you were in the crowd. Yeah. So those two my first year were probably really helped me figure out like we're all, you know, there's days where we're struggling. There's days where we're, you know, loving life. But the atmosphere in the community around you can really make a big difference. And they were a big part of that my first year. Oh yeah. Something as simple as talking for 10 minutes, maybe even joking with you. Yeah. Like just feeling a part of something makes a big difference yeah. in how, how that experience goes. Yeah. So I'm sure you've been able to, to give that back to people, you know, that you work with on a mm-hmm. daily basis too. Um, what was, did you guys have a good year that year? The first year we were not, we were, I mean, 
by by our standards, no, it wouldn't have been a good year. Mm -hmm. And then my sophomore year, made the tournament. Junior year, we won the the Big Ten. Okay. So they lost uh, Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller. I mean, they lost Christian Watford. They lost a ton from that team, but you had two people drafted in the top four. So yeah. when you lose that, it's tough to repeat what you had the year before. But sure. by their standards, it wasn't the best year. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is when you go through athletics and really anything, but the ups and the downs and how that translates to the how, how do people handle those things. Mm -hmm. Like You get to watch and see the, the coaching staff and how they react to situations when things are not so great and then things when they are great and if you can find the people that are pretty steady yeah. it's really really interesting to learn from those people uh -huh. and try to emulate what those qualities yeah. are so which is tough to do yeah it's very tough to do <laughs> especially yeah especially in a competitive environment uh -huh. so where everyone's trying to yeah it's not yes. like it's not like oh we can both you know come to a compromise yeah you're yeah. winning or losing yeah okay so yeah you were you started that first year uh, obviously you had some great success on on staff um, what was it like to be around um, the environment whenever you guys did win the Big Twelve or Big Ten? I'm sorry. Um, what was that like for the the players, the coaches? Was it a pretty competitive environment? Yeah, I think that year we had um, at, at least at one point there was three teams in the top nine, maybe even like four in the top twelve. Mm -hmm. So the the to win it was extremely competitive, and we started off a little bit slow in the non-conference, and then kind of clicked at the right time. When we won it, I know, like, players, coaching staff, but then even, like, the managers, so more behind the scenes, like, it was kind of relieving just to see kind of your work go to fruition, whether it's rebounding or putting together edits. You kind of felt, you know, for the first time, like, man, I did play a part, yeah. play a part in this. But it was, I mean, the whole staff was excited, but they were excited for other people. It's not like they were just like, oh, I did it, we did it. It was mm -hmm. kind of a whole group atmosphere of like, you started, then you started to really understand, you know, everyone is involved when it comes to winning a championship, you know, whether it be someone working at the front desk, student worker, manager, yeah. GA, like it was, it was cool mostly just because you, all this hard work finally comes to the one of the, one of the goals you had, you had, and Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. What about, um, what about, just give us some oversight of what is it like to be a manager? What are the daily ins and outs of, of being a manager? And what was that like? Uh, everything. Yeah. You, you, sometimes you're running to get food. Um, one time, I, my freshman year, I, was, I wasn't on a road trip, so I got called at like midnight because they forgot to put an edit on the hard drive. So I had to then email them the edit. So, um, you know, setting up for practice, setting up for games, uh, rebounding, doing miscellaneous edits. It just kind of all depended on what the day looked like. So I liked that. I didn't like the, you know, doing the exact same thing every day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you could do anything from um, if someone needed an oil change on their car and they kind of got caught up in life, like they'd be like, shoot, hey, while we're at practice, can you fill up my car? Like, yeah, look, go get your oil change, you know, whatever it may yeah. be. Um, just kind of did whatever and I I like that I like the every day you don't know what it's gonna look like when you walk in the office so yeah we did a little bit of everything for, yeah for the staff very much a servant mentality yes yes very much that's so. where you it really was it's good to get humbled as an 18 year old especially like I thought I knew everything and then I come in and they're talking about stuff defensive concepts and I'm like I don't even know yeah. it's a foreign language to me and I was like I thought I knew basketball yeah so, no, it was really humbling coming in and being a, you know, having a servant mindset, like you said. Mm -hmm. 
So you go through four years at IU. Mm -hmm. um, talk about your transition. You w wound up being a GA at IU. Yep. Nope. Or went straight to ORU. So, oh yeah, yeah, straight to ORU. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did that process work? How did you get into? Actually, I'm sorry. Let's let's cut back here. Talk about in the summers yeah. where we met. We met yep. at University of Virginia mm -hmm. working basketball camp. What did you do every summer, and how did you get in the door with some of those universities to go work their camps? Yeah, so I knew from being a manager, I want to coach, mm -hmm. you know. The next step, if you're a manager, is usually a GA. So I don't know many people, so I was like, the best way to learn and meet people is to uh, work camps. So like you said, we met yeah. at Virginia. Um, but I would just get a list of 50 schools, email an assistant coach, an ops guy, and hey, do you guys have camps? What are the dates? Can I work? How can I help out? So um, I would do that usually Monday through Thursday, get back home Thursday night, and then try to get a job where I could work Friday, Saturday. You know, I think my junior year was cleaning carpets. So yeah. I'd go clean carpets, you know, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or something like that. And then Sunday, travel to wherever the next camp, camp was. Yeah, wow, okay. go work camp. But it was just a way I could do basketball and kind of meet people. Um, you know, like, like we said, we wouldn't have known each other if it wasn't for yeah. a UVA camp. And it was like a 10 and a half hour drive that I made just to go work camp for, I think that was a three-day camp. Yeah, it's only a three-day camp. And then we, and I'd come back and find the next camp. So I've met a couple people that I still keep in contact with just from working camps working camp. and None of them are, you know, were like assistant coaches, like what I hoped. Like I thought I was going to sit there and talk X and O's with the head coach or something. Yeah. Um, but it was more just people closer to my age just trying to get in the industry. So you, that's where, you, where I started a lot of my connections of people who were like me, younger, trying to get in, mm -hmm. just get a foot in the door, want to do work. Yeah. So what other camps did you work besides Virginia? I worked, Xavier was a go-to every year, obviously Indiana, mm -hmm. um, Butler, um, St. Bonaventure, I worked every year. Worked Cincinnati. Shoot, I'm sure I'm missing a few, but mm -hmm. those were those ones were the more consistent ones that I'd work. Yeah, a couple times a year or a couple years in a row. Yeah, some of those closer to home. A yeah, bit. yeah, a little bit closer to home. UVA, UVA, and St. Bonaventure were the the two that I would really drive for. Right. How did you get up to St. Bonaventure? Just I, I just... don't even know um, how I chose St. Bonaventure, but when I worked at my first year, you stayed in their dorms and it was an overnight camp. And then um, Coach Schmidt did like an X and O's where you would just sit down and he would talk all X and O's with you. And after I worked it the first time, it didn't even pay that well, but I was like, that's 100% what I'm going to next year. Like, yeah. I don't care if I lose money. Like, that was cool. They had good talent. Um, the whole staff was really cool. And then, yeah, the last night you'd sit and talk X and O's and he would ask you, you know, even as a manager, he's like, what do you do in Indiana? I'm like, oh, we do this. He's like, I do this against it. And I'm like, I don't know what we do in return because <laughs> I just do the video. Like, He's like, come on, you got to do something other than that. I'm like, we probably do, but uh -huh. you're, now you're getting me to think like it. But yeah, camps were awesome. It was just a way to work at basketball in the summer and, and meet new people. Okay. Yeah, so let's let's go now. You get the job at RU. What, how did you wind up getting the job at RU? Uh, nothing of my own. Coach Crean... Um, got fired my senior year, right after my senior year. So wanted to come back to IU and the plan was to do video with Coach Crean, um, you know, just stay there. And he was awesome. Like 
he would call on me in the office, you know, or to his house and was basically just like, what can I do to help you? What's your goals? Mm. Um, and kind of like just took a, a I don't want, he was a mentor. He's always been a mentor, but really became a big part in helping me, you know, get to where I wanted to be. He gave me advice, um, called coaches for me. So I made it a goal every day. I picked a new state and I, I, you know, I had this power five mindset where I wanted to be mm-hmm. the biggest, the best schools, the most resources. Like I was at Indiana, I won a big 10 championship. So I was choosing uh, P5 schools and picking a random state every day and emailing the longest tenured assistant. And so that one, I sent an email to Paul Mills, who was at Baylor. Little did I know, three days after I sent the email, he took the job at ORU. Um, he called me during my graduation. Like during the ceremony, I look, I'm like, Waco, Texas. Like, I don't, I don't know who this is. Uh-huh. So I called the number back afterwards. He's like, hey, this is Paul Mills, the head coach Oral Roberts. Um, I talked to Coach Crean about you. He said, you're a no-brainer. Um, I was going to interview a GA, but he said, you're a no-brainer. Call me back. I want you to be my GA. And I was like, Oral Roberts? Like, I did not contact Oral Roberts. So uh-huh. I talked to Coach Crean. He's like, oh, yeah, I know Coach Mills. Great guy. You'll love working for him. He's a winner. So I was like, all right, called, called Coach Mills back. He's like, yeah, I want you to be a GA. Told me, you know, his vision. And he's like, what do you think? I'm like, let me talk to my family. I'll get back to you. So I told my dad and he was like, you told him yes, right? <laughs> We're about to like eat with like three families because we just graduated. I was like, I told him I'll let him know I want to talk to you. He's like, get on the phone now and tell him <laughs> you want that job before he hires someone over you. So didn't know anything about ORU. Couldn't even told you. It was, you know, I couldn't have told you it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And... Came here probably the beginning of June, and uh, yeah, just took off, tried to do whatever I could to, you know, build ORU in the way that Coach or Coach Mills wanted to, and just did what, what, what he wanted to, and tried to build like that. So yeah. coming to ORU was, you know, a God thing. It wasn't. Yeah. I didn't know ORU. I didn't have this big plan of coming to ORU. It just kind of fell in my lap, and and Coach Crean and Coach Mills kind of made it happen for me. Mm-hmm. And so talk about when you first get to ORU, obviously it's a change of pace, maybe from IU, uh-huh. um, but still it's basketball. Yeah. So it's it's just maybe not in like a power five level, yeah. but it's still no, it's, all the work, all the all the time. There's all... hoop, there's a ball, and you're doing whatever you can to win. Yeah. Like really yeah. that's what it comes down to. What was it like starting from basically building kind of his his culture what has that been like oh day one it's been so coach mills we have we have a shirt that i wear a lot that just says family across it with the oru logo and you know you see other teams with stuff like that and it's just kind of a basketball term like oh we're a family Mm -hmm. and i never really realized till this year what he was building you know i was in the middle of it so i think it kind of got blinders on to to you know, guys being on the floor, knowing what they're supposed to do, um, getting video done, that I didn't really realize what family we were building. And even, you know, I have guys from our first year team that I still talk to today. And um, after we won the championship, you have guys who played limited minutes who are like, not in tears, but they're calling you like jumping up and down, like still like two days after, like they're wearing their jersey, like yeah. They are from ORU, and like even Coach Mills acknowledges GAs from the past. Like he's was FaceTiming some GAs that I came in with, and 
you guys helped us build this. And then, like, everyone just was, like, a part of it. And even if you weren't mm. on the team, like, you know, Coach Mills wanted to make sure you knew, like, this was impossible without you. So from day one, kind of seeing how he built this family atmosphere, you know, from so close, I didn't get to see it until it kind of came together, all-encompassing of, like, we are one big ORU basketball family. has been really cool to kind of see unfold in front of me. Oh, yeah. And for those that don't know, this is the year where you guys won your conference championship. Mm-hmm. And then go on to the NCAA tournament and have a fantastic NCAA tournament where you guys get to go to the Sweet 16. Yep. Yep. So you made a lot of noise, which I'm sure was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Great experience. Uh-huh. Um, but going back to starting from, from kind of building that culture, what are the things that you think maybe are about Coach Mills that enables you guys to kind of start building those types of things? Um, I think one thing is Coach Mills is extremely confident. Um, and I think every coach is confident, but he was never going to be wavered by anything that went wrong. Like, oh, we didn't get a recruit. Like, what are we going to do? Or we lost this game. This guy got injured. Like, we're, we're toast. It was kind of like he just kind of had a belief and a confidence where no matter what happened, you had the same thing. You're like, sometimes you'd be like, what is he talking about? How is yeah. he so confident in this? But then at the same time, you're like, well, shoot, I better get out there and do the best I can do because if he believes in me, you know, I better believe in me too. So I think he just, you know, his confidence, his preparation, you got to see that on a daily basis. And I think our players, you know, were affected by it. GAs were affected by it. Student coaches were affected by it. The whole staff was just kind of, you know, you follow this guy who is just believes in what we've done and the preparation we've done that every day he just believed in what we were going to do and it became infectious. Yeah. So the first year, how do you guys do? Poorly. We were, I want to say we won, we finished sixth in conference out of eight. I want to say we're like five and nine in conference. Um, You know, not the year we wanted, but, you know, it was part of, now I see the building process of putting together our our culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the next year? Next year, we, I think we moved up to fifth in conference. Okay. Um, Started to have a better team a little bit more confident, a little bit more of what Mills um, put together. You know, your second year, you kind of get to see more of it. So the second year was a, a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then... Year three is when it really started to click. We finished fourth in conference and really thought we had a chance to win. We won our first um, won our first game in the, in the Summit League tournament, which was a first um, for us, and then lost up close one in North Dakota State who ended up going on to win mm-hmm. win the conference, won, the, won it pretty easily. So that was, every year we were really confident going to the tournament, but that was the first year where the loss just was, you had such bigger expectations in it. And it was the first year where we, um, you know, every year we had a competitive team. I think Coach Mills has had a, you know, even when we, we may have had, not necessarily the pieces. We still were competitive against some of the top teams, but this was the first year where we're like we had all the pieces. Coach Mills brought in all of his, um, you know, put together a whole a full lineup that that we really believed in, and we were we were really good. Just fell up a little bit short that third year. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing too is like you go through starting to kind of to rebuild something from scratch, and it takes. It's not like this overnight process. Yeah. Like it's a process that takes time. It takes getting the right people in place, the right players in place, mm-hmm. 
and it's a, a constant like refining of basically every day having that belief like this is what we're doing yeah this is where we're going and this yep. is why we're doing it so when you have maybe a not so great season like you're not really wavered by it you're like yeah we want to we want to get better yeah but this is where we're going mm -hmm. we're, we're undeterred mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the things that especially within athletics um that that belief and where you're going and having everyone buy into that yeah. is really important oh yeah and that's i mean we had the you know i said year two we weren't as good we had probably six freshmen yeah that were playing major minutes we were playing guys out of position to make up for injuries and it was it was one of those like we knew like this year we may not be great but man with the with this experience these guys are getting now they're juniors and seniors mm -hmm. um this past year they were but if it wasn't for that first year, them kind of going through ups and downs and realizing how tough it is to win, we definitely wouldn't be where we are now. Yeah. So going back to, let's talk about like this year, just real quick. Well, I want to hear your kind of perspective on it. What was it like going to the uh, Summit League tournament mm -hmm. and then getting a chance to win that? And mm -hmm. then we'll go on obviously the NCAA tournament. What was that like? The Summit League tournament was, this is the weirdest we've had the Summit League tournament because it was in a new place. We, were in the, we played in the Pentagon. It was limited to like 50 fans per team. Um, so you're playing in front of nobody. You can't even really watch the other games. Some people can get in, but I mean, usually we bring our players in to watch a game um, the first day or if there's a game before us. This year you couldn't really do that. So going in, it was, it was a little bit different and we thought we have a mature team. We thought that was going to help us. You know, Every team had gone through obstacles this year, but we just thought our team maturity wise um you know we had a lot of experience we thought we were extremely prepared for it and uh the team what had this you know it was after we won the first game it wasn't this we did it we won they were yeah. like very we're focused on a championship we're not focused on round one mm -hmm. um so that was really cool to see after the first win they were excited for themselves but at the same time it was they weren't going to get over excited for a win because they were going to win a championship. So just going through the week, it was, we were able to really focus on us. We didn't have to, you know, you weren't distracted by fans, whether it was us or opponents, you were just focused on basketball and it was really cool. And I think, I think the maturity of our guys showed up. You had to provide your own energy. Our bench provided energy for us. Our guys on the floor provided energy for us. And you provide energy. Yeah. I tried to provide energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, way different than other tournaments because normally you have fans i mean it's yeah. a tournament you have fans cheering for and against you it's like the best time of the year yeah too. exactly exactly so this time it's almost like an exhibition game that you're playing in but it's in on national tv yeah so no i think our guys just maturity wise that was one thing that helped separate us from other teams in the conferences they weren't going to get distracted by other things um and part of that's playing in an empty gym. It's, you don't realize how weird it is until you do it. Like, yeah, I You're can't. used to freak those people yelling at you, and then when it's dead silent. Especially in a game environment, yeah. too. It's yeah, totally exactly. Different. So, yeah, so you guys win. It's an incredible experience. Then you wind up getting in the inside tournament, obviously, because you got the automatic bid. Uh -huh. um, we'll talk about just, like, the, the, the preparation going into the NCAA tournament. That is a bear to handle. Uh -huh. um, just because you don't know where you're going to be. Um, so I think me and uh, one of our other GAs and one of our assistants kind of oversaw just downloading film and being prepared. And I want to say we had like 15 teams we prepared for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, every time a new bracketology comes out, you're like, 
oh, well, this team's only one line away from us. Let's prepare for them, too. Yeah. And, like, it's nothing crazy. It's just time-consuming. But, like, then the hard part is when <laughs> when the bracket gets revealed, you delete, like, 14 of your, yeah. of your like, 16 teams you prepared so, for. So explain, like, what are you doing and when you're film prepping? Uh, for this, it's pretty easy. You just get the team's last 10, 8 to 10 games. games to start working and on you're, you're kind of preparing them and getting together. And you're even getting an idea... Most of the coaches are doing this too, but you're even getting an idea of pace and mm-hmm. maybe what they do well or what certain players do. So that way when they do get drawn, you at least have an idea to tell coach like, hey, they're a quicker pace team, whatever. He probably knows it, but yeah. just trying to be as prepared as possible. So I was trying to like at least be knowledgeable about 15 teams that mm-hmm. we haven't seen this year. So it was, yeah, that's what probably the week leading up was, was like, oh man, prepare for Illinois. Okay, now Ohio State. All right, now Michigan, now Texas, now yeah. Oklahoma State we could face in the Sweet 16. So yeah. get stuff for them too. Yeah. And and who was the first team you guys faced? Ohio State. Ohio State, yep. first round. Where was it? It was in West Lafayette, so in Purdue. So a rival gym of mine that uh-huh. I've never won in before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys get, get going in that game. You know, obviously... The atmosphere is, is not quite the same yeah. for the NCAA tournament, but still, at least there were some fans that yeah. were able to get in. What was was the experience still a good environment? Yeah, it was it was a really good environment. I'll tell you, we could have 20,000 fans at a game or zero. And like I said, the Summit League tournament was a little bit weird. I honestly don't notice any of the fans. Sure. Um, like, we played a game at the Maybe, and someone's like, that's the loudest our fans have been. I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even <laughs> notice. So... I know. I usually notice it before the game. So before the game, I was looking around, and I'm like, there's ORU fans. Like, here's ORU fans. Uh-huh. And, like, it was probably 50-50 Ohio State, which was two and a half hours away, or us, which was 11-hour drive. Yeah. I'm like, we got as many fans as Ohio State does. So it was really cool to see, you know, just fans make the trip to, um, to Indiana, um, being from Indiana, my whole family came, so got to see them from a distance was oh, really yeah. cool. Um, and we were just, I mean, we were excited to be there, but at the same time, like, I think, you know, people think, oh, you're a 15 seed, you're excited to be there. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're excited to be there, but we're not content with yeah, being you, there was the mindset we had. Yeah, you want to win. Yeah. So And expect to win. Yeah, yeah, no matter what seed you're at. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, so you guys play really well, uh-huh. wind up getting a win, mm-hmm. moving on. Who do you guys play next? Florida. Florida. So, played Florida. Uh, this one was in Indy. Uh, and the bubble's in Indy. So, we had to drive the two hours to Purdue mm-hmm. for the game. So, that was something that we even thought, you know, we may be more prepared for is we probably do more bus rides than most teams in the tournament, you know, just just to, I mean, if we go to Oklahoma State, we bus. If we go to Wichita State, we bus. Mm-hmm. But we even thought that was an advantage towards us is, you know, you're going to throw an obstacle at us that we have to drive two hours? Well, we're going to be mentally prepared that two hours of sitting on the bus, we're going to come out ready to go more than, you know, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So we used everything like that to help us. But then uh, Florida was one of the coolest games simply because I, I talked to my dad and to a couple of people, I swear we had 90% of the fans. Yeah, You would have thought it was a home ORU game and we were just wearing the road uniforms. Uh-huh. It was... It was so cool to, you know, you're planning to go to the Sweet 16, which is, you know, 
not many teams get to do. There's 32 teams even trying to get to the Sweet 16. Every game is tough. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're playing an SEC team that has tradition, and, and then you look up and shoot, there's ORU fans everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, that game was really cool because before the game, I was even like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know this many people could get tickets to the game, much less they're all ORU fans. Uh huh. So, once again, didn't hear them at all until after the game when they're chanting at us and, you know, we're hooting and hollering. But, but I know a couple of players said, like, man, that was like the loudest gym we've been in all year. And I was like, that's sweet. Like, I know it was our fans because we had all the fans. Yeah, yeah. That's an incredible experience. So, Going into those two games, did you like matchup-wise uh, playing against one or the other a little better based on how your style of play was? Because um, you're always looking for advantages when you're, you're, you're uh, getting schemes together before yeah. you're playing games. We, I mean, Coach Mills, we could, play, uh, we could play the Brooklyn Nets. And Coach Mills is somehow going to phrase it that we have an advantage here, here, and here. Mm-hmm. And to a point where, like, you're completely bought in. Like... You can put together the NBA All-Star team. And I'm like, oh, Mel said if we do this, we're going to win. Like, I believe him. (laughs) And so I think we could have played anybody, and we were going to go in confident. And, you know, I think it's just the confidence and the work we put in, uh, you know, whether it be our guys on the court, in the gym, Mm -hmm. you know, putting in work, watching film, you know, coaches preparing. Um, We felt confident no matter who we were going to play in. Uh, I think we just knew we play a unique brand, especially to Power 5 schools. You know, I don't think there's many Power 5 schools that are like, we're going to hoist up threes. We'll take some layups when you give them to us. But, like, yeah. we're going to shoot threes and we're going to make them. So I think, I think no matter who we played, we felt confident, confident in our playing style. So, you know, it was Ohio State and Florida. We were confident with both of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was one team we felt better about or worse about. But mm-hmm. really, you could have put any team in front of us and... I think from top to bottom, we thought we were gonna we were gonna win the game. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you wound up winning the game. Yep. Going on the Sweet Sixteen. Who yep. did you guys play in the Sweet Sixteen? Played Arkansas. Okay. And we played them earlier in the year, so it was a good. You know, we were our guys were really excited for a revenge match. We lost at their place right before um, right before the conf- or right before the conference season started. So I think that was one of our last games. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So played them, played them pretty well. Um, you could tell we played each other before because they, we were, we, you know, we had a game plan for them based off what they did. They had a game plan for us and uh, thought we played well, just kind of came up a little short, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, what an experience too, oh, awesome. for sure. It yeah. was, uh, I know ORU and really the Tulsa and really not just Tulsa and ORU, but really a lot of people were rooting for you guys. Yeah, and throughout the- they said, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but like hundreds of millions of impressions on social media and um, like a hundred million viewers on national TV and mm-hmm. how many countries they reached and how many people went to our school's website. So for even, you know, you know, you talk about at ORU, you want to be a Christ centered leader and you want to, mm. you know, introduce people to Christ. And so it was kind of cool to see how a basketball game, you know, we had people that have never probably heard of ORU now checking out our website. Yeah. So even from that standpoint, it was a really cool experience just to see how, how, basketball can reach so many people mm-hmm. and using that platform to be able to yeah exactly and there's a mission. there's a picture i'm i don't even know if cbs used it at all but after the high state game we go center court and we pray as mm-hmm. a you know basketball team so something like that was even cool that we can go out there put together a good basketball team but also like realize like it's more than just us playing basketball yeah yeah and it's cool it's actually really cool this is a little bit off topic but 
it's cool to watch kind of coaches that that have that faith and mm-hmm. they want their program to be built around that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Baylor won this year, yep. and they kind of have that same mentality, yep. which is really cool to see. You know, Virginia is the same way. Yep. It's just fun to see uh, guys that are doing it right yeah. and, and being able to be successful yeah. at that level. Yeah, exactly. Just like you all. Mm-hmm. So what, what an experience is an awesome experience, but let's uh, kind of go back on your time. Who were some of the guys that really you looked up to you know, growing up as coaches, maybe mentors? Who were those people and why were they influential in your life? Um, well, the first one would be my dad. dad I kind of mentioned him. Just He was a coach, was around him every day, even saw... Uh, he, when he was a JV coach, I know people comment like he's the only JV coach that goes and like scouts. <laughs> so I kind of saw the, the, the hard work that he did and like he never wanted um, anyone to feel like he was unprepared for mm-hmm. anything. So he was always prepared. But um, I had a coach, my high school coach um, outside of my dad was um, Pete Moran. He's a D3 coach now. And he was kind of the same way. He was a younger coach. He just wanted to go out there and and when and his dad came from a coaching tree so he didn't want people to think like oh you just got this because of your dad so he was out there to prove people wrong on a regular basis um so seeing his work ethic he he believed in me and i uh when i was like a sophomore or yeah i think it was my sophomore year i sat varsity played limited minutes mm-hmm. he would have he would have let me skip practice to go up to watch a game so I could scout. So really? um, that's kind of how I knew I wanted to be a coach is, uh-huh. is I was like, oh, I, I provide more value if I go scout this team. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, go scout them. So I got him, I'd bring it back, and he'd let me play a role in, in kind of game planning. So his, you know, he trusted me, but also his preparation. I'd say those two played a, a really big role in my development and even just, you know, even not necessarily what they said to me, but seeing the work that they put in on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about, uh, what did you learn from maybe your time in Indiana or Coach Green? What was what was he like and what did you learn from him? I think the biggest thing I learned from him was just attention to details. I think you can kind of get, um, you know, I, I think it's a fine line of like, you want them to go out there and play, but he's going to make sure you know why you're doing it, what you're doing, um, and if he feels like there's something that he needs to learn, he watches so much basketball. He never, you know, he was never like, oh, I made a Final Four with Dwayne Wade. I know what I'm doing. He was watching Warriors games, Heat games. Like, he was constantly learning and growing and developing himself. So he never, you know, he wanted to be as prepared as possible so his guys were prepared as possible. And I don't know if people even necessarily realize how much he watches film to learn himself, but just I think the unseen hours is something especially as a coach that you have to accept because people think you're just out there having fun coaching basketball they don't realize that it's like oh you're up till 2 a.m preparing for a practice not even a game a practice just making sure yeah you know what does this player need and then and then I'd say the other thing at IU that I learned coach Crean as long as other coaches is and now here at ORU is how much you're more than just a coach you're a mentor and you're you know Sometimes you're a father figure, but um, even for players who are far away from their families, like you serve so much more than just a basketball coach that you play a big role in development for some people. So making sure, you know, you're seen like that and you're acting like that and behaving like that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, something I never really thought of before. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, what an experience to be able to have mentors like that, that it enabled you, let's just say in high school, like, yeah. that saw value in you wanting to be a coach. And probably saw the characteristics of like a good coach, uh-huh. a guy that cares, 
a guy that's very self-driven, self-motivated, wants to be the best he can be, and then being able to be around a guy like Coach Crean, who's very driven, self-motivated, seemed like he was a constant learner. Yeah. Which, um, you know, sometimes you don't always have those types of people around you, but when you do, you're able to soak in a lot of knowledge from guys like that. Um, And was there any connection to, do you think, obviously you worked hard, so I'm sure he valued you in that, but, you know, he was a manager, wasn't he? Uh, Uh, He kind of came up as a... No, he didn't play. I don't know if he was ever a manager, but he was like a volunteer assistant. assistant. assistant or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did, do you remember where he started? Central at? Michigan. Central Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting to hear stories where guys just kind of rise uh, by doing student assistant, manager, because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the way people always think of no. guys getting into coaching. Yeah. It's normally people always think that it's a player, and, some, and sometimes it is for yeah. sure, but you know, you really go through a gauntlet being a manager or student assistant, kind of learning yep. the game like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you learned from your experiences at ORU um, about what makes um, players, uh, I guess maybe a better question is, what separates average players from players that are great? Um, I would say the best players that have been at, at ORU that I've worked with um, one, they're a little bit more mature, but I think they just, they realize that they got to put time and work in. I think it's some players come in and they think like, man, I was in the gym for a week straight and I'm not killing it in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, where we have other players who came in and um, there was one player a couple years ago who, who everyone was like, what is this guy doing? Like, he doesn't even belong on the floor. Yeah. And now he's a starter for our Sweet 16 team and it was it's literally the only reason why is he understands, you know, what it takes and he's going to work every single day um, to, you know, to reach his goals. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, finding a goal and just every day chipping away at it. And even if you don't necessarily see the results right away, like trust in your work and your dedication that it is going to pay off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. What about teammates? Like what makes a great teammate? I think, I think the best teammates we've had at, o, at ORU don't think of themselves first. Um, they think of the team success. They think of other success. But I think the best teammates kind of understand when, when the team's functioning at its best, I'll also be at my best. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the classic example is a player who's sitting on the bench, whether they play, you know, 30 minutes a game or zero minutes a game, do you celebrate other success? And I think that's one thing Coach Mills has talked about, you know, Celebrating others' success is what makes a good teammate. And I think our guys have become so close that you have people who get limited minutes. And when we win or, you know, someone hits a big shot, they celebrate them. Yeah. They're not like, well, I could have done that too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's so I think it's, you know, the best teammates are putting others before themselves. And that doesn't mean you're not proud of yourself and happy for yourself. But you're, you're just thinking of, you have a bigger picture in mind, which is the team. Yeah, and, and going off that too. Obviously, you want to recruit guys that are very unselfish, I would assume, mm-hmm. to, to develop and build a good culture. But what about, how, how do people develop themselves to be better teammates, to care for other people's successes, and to celebrate that? What do you think are some maybe some actions that people can do to be better about that? I think it's just kind of, you know, I think it's one of those things, there's, there's no, here's what you got to do to be a better teammate. I yeah. think you kind of have to learn and experience it. And, you know, if you're someone that, coming out of high school maybe is a little bit more selfish. I think uh, maybe just observing what some of the best teammates do, but I don't know if there's necessarily one thing that makes you a good teammate. I think it's mm-hmm. just kind of being a part of 
other good teammates is like if you're constant you know if, if there's four good teammates and one bad one like eventually you're gonna start to figure out like these guys are a lot better you know yeah i think you just naturally start to figure it out and i think we got so many guys who are just root for other success that when people come in they naturally progress towards that mm -hmm. so i think it's for us it's been you have a culture of it and so people start to become come better teammates just because that's the norm and you 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 either become a good teammate or you just kind of are tough to be around and most of our guys are great teammates and I, I don't know if it's natural or if they've developed into it but it's something that that we've developed yeah absolutely and I think that's a big point is like just the development where you you bring in guys with the kind of the same type of belief the same type of mentality the work ethic mm -hmm. the unselfishness and when you have guys that maybe aren't that or ideally maybe they're not as maybe mature yeah in that yet like you're around guys every single day so you know we've mentioned this too, but you know, whenever you're doing, let's just say sprints or something, you're going to touch the line or are you just going to cheat a little bit? Yeah. You know, are you going to work as hard as you can every single possession, uh, no matter what, or are you going to take time, time off? Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like, how do you, it, it's really just being around other people, yeah. you know, cause it's, it's kind of this internal motivation that you get understanding from everybody else uh -huh. and it kind of drives you to get better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, that's a big, big point to, uh, make a parent and a culture for sure yeah yeah and it's so i mean when it's team focused it's easy you know now if someone like you said if someone misses the line our players you know if we blow the whistle it's it's more someone's like ah oh, they missed it they run it like it's like all right we're all on the line yeah and at first you kind of thought that's like he's the one that missed it put him on the line yeah and now now i think there's um you know a sense of like ownership for it so the team realizes like, hey, if we're all in this together, we're all gonna do it. Yeah. So I think the ownership is also a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so going back to coaching, uh, what are some things that you think make a great coach? You touched on a little bit of them already, but what are, your, what are some things yeah, you think? Yeah, I think one thing that um, being at ORU, I really realized is um, commitment to others. And if you were in a coach's meeting or if you listen to Coach Mills talk, it's always players first. It's how do we help our guys? Um, what can we do for our guys? How can we propel them for um, a job, you know, a next, you know, a opportunity to play professionally? If they can't play professionally, how can we help them, you know, get a job? If they want to coach, how can we help them get into coaching? Um, you know, whatever it is, like, I, Coach Mills is just, and that's what I, I think, makes a good coach is he puts his players first and it truly is a yeah. player you know a player thought of organization is everything we do everything coach mills does is to help his players and whether it's former players or current players if anyone calls him i you know he takes the call and he does whatever he can to help them yeah to help them succeed so for me i kind of realized just how important that is of you're not just using 18 to 22 year olds for your success he truly wants to pour in them and learn from them, learn about them, and ultimately help them become the best men they can be. Yeah, true, like servants, servants yeah. heart, servant yep. mentality. Just kind of like shoot. He's before practice, he'll go, he'll sweep the floor. Yeah, and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 that's our job. He's uh -huh. like, no, I got it. And you're like, all right. And you're like kicking yourself, like I should have swept the floor yeah. 20 <laughs> minutes ago. But he loves doing stuff like that. So yeah. it's he's not above anything. No, no, and you you feel really guilty. You're like, man. I'm, 
over here doing this because I was going to sweep in 10 minutes and he beat me to it. Uh -huh. So, but no, he, I mean, he sees a job that needs to be done and he's not, hey, someone come do this. He's like, all yeah. right, I'll, you know, I'll take it over and do it. When he's sweeping the floor, you say, hey, coach, you missed a spot, no, right? Yeah. No, you, nope. <laughs> if you, if you see a missed spot, you like wait till he looks away and you go get it. No, he's, <laughs> he's, the floor, I, his, he takes care of the floor. That's like that's his, his baby. Yeah, he yeah. takes care of the floor better than I do. I'm like, oh, that's good. He'll come and be like, why is this spot like that? He cleans it up. You're like, oh, dang it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, no, he doesn't miss the spots. I probably, yeah. he probably does that to me. He's like, I'll wait till he turns around and then I'll clean it up. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, you talk about faith. Like, how has faith been important in your life and, and what does that mean to you? Man, um, I'd say it's, it's kind of a rocky, you know, it's, I think faith is one of those things. It goes, it's like kind of like coaching. Like, sometimes your career goes up and down. And I think it's, mm -hmm. I don't want to say, from day one, you know, I've been up here. I think there's days where you, you, your faith kind of falls a little bit, but I think that's where I've grown and learned the most. Um, you know, so I'd say now faith has played a huge role of just kind of, I kind of said from day one, like, I want to be here and believe in what coach Mills is doing and, you know, have faith in like God's plan, you know, Mills's plan moving forward. And I think, my faith and trust and you know the Lord and Coach Mills has put us you know in a position to succeed and put me in a position where I feel like I'm I can succeed but having faith hasn't necessarily been the prettiest picture at all times like there's been times sure. where I've struggled um, you know even like questioned like man like God am I doing the right thing are you telling like mm -hmm. are, do you have the best plans for me or do I need to take over and like do yeah. this but I think the the lowest times is where I you know it's where it's where you get sharper and you learn and you grow. So I think I kind of like that I've, you know, it's kind of weird to say, but it's kind of good that my faith has, you know, because every time I go down, I'm a little bit higher. If I go down again, then I, you know, my faith, uh -huh. is, it's, you know. So I'd say having faith just in the process and kind of like moving to ORU and believing in Coach Mills, who I've never met, but ultimately putting my faith in like, God, this is where you want me to be, yeah. has put me in a position where I am now, you know, like I told you, like, I never thought I was going to be in Tulsa for a long yeah. time. And this is going on five years in Tulsa. Uh -huh. So having faith just in the process, you know, and God's plan for me, I think has been a big key to get me to where I am. Yeah. Do you ever listen to Bob Goff at all or know that? I know? read uh, The Circle Maker, I think. Oh, is Mark Patterson. Oh, is that not Bob Goff? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I you read. Have to, you have to check out Bob Goff, but he has a quote that um, I heard a while back that I really liked. And it said, uh, faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Okay. And yeah. so it, it kind of is a good quote, just like when you go through those challenging times, like either try to rely on yourself or you're going to rely on God mm -hmm. and you're going to grow from it or you're going to kind of sink to it. Yeah. So it sounds like those experiences have helped, you know, you uh, get better mm -hmm. throughout that, that, those experiences. So yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. 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 No, I, I swear I read a book by him, so maybe I'll... Love does, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Love Maybe that. I haven't. Yeah. Maybe I'm just making stuff up right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm sure you have. So <laughs> anyway, well, well, we'll start wrapping it up. But, um, you know, want to ask you a few quick things. as a little fire round. Okay. So we're going to test test you here. Uh, just you can finish the sentence when I say it. All right. I, I, I saw this part. So this <laughs> is the part I was like, oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can do anything if. Uh, I think if, like, if you believe. Okay. Favorite team? Cleveland Indians. Ooh. Focus is? Ooh. Commitment. My mission is. Man, uh, I saw this one. <laughs> I would just say, jeez, 
you said rapid round. This isn't rapid. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to say succeed, but that sounds self-centered, but it's more than just like, you know, money and all that. Succeed for yeah. the bigger picture. Gotcha. Um, if I could do it all over again, I would. Uh, nothing. I'd do it all the same. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, where will you be in 20 years? Shoot. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, my big thing has been the last, my first year I got really caught up in trying to find the next job and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this guy's going to take this job. I have this connection. And um, I think there was a point where I kind of lost getting better in where I am. And my old, uh, my old track and cross country coach, Coach Cole, she just kind of said, she'd always say, like, what is winning? Well, to win, you have to do what's important now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of stuck with me more the past, you know, three years of like, yeah, I can focus on this future and like, oh, I'm, this guy's going to get this job and then he's going to take me and I'm going to pr- be promoted here. That I lose focus of like being where I am and being planted where I am and succeeding where I am. So I try not to look, you know, even that's a awesome. year in the future because yeah. I want to succeed where I am now. And, you know, I'm at ORU and if I think about my next job, Am I doing the, you know, am I doing my job to Coach Mills, to our players, to the university that's invested in me? So, 20 years, I don't know. Maybe I'll still be at ORU. No, that's a, I love that. And answer. I'd love being at ORU for 20 more years. Yeah, yeah, I love that answer. Though. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, just being present, being focused on yeah. where you're at. Yeah, because I think it's in basketball. Like you know, it's I think it's easy to get caught up in like, how do I get out of this position? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, I can be an ops guy here, and then be an assistant here, and then this guy's gonna get a job, and he'll bring me, and then it's like oh, well, I didn't do the scout and it's a, you know, it's partially put together and it doesn't, you know, I finished it, but it doesn't look Mm -hmm. very good. And I think all that stuff gets noticed. And I'm a believer in if you, if you kind of work where you are, good things will happen. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. Do you have any favorite books that you've been reading um, or podcasts? Um, A podcast that um, um, I used to listen to, I'll sprinkle it every now and again. I've become a big NBA podcast guy just because it's, but it's called 99% Invisible okay. um, by Roman Mars. And all it is is just a podcast about something 99% of the people don't notice. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's kind of cool to just kind of get away from basketball um, and just broaden my horizon about everything. And this is talks about sports, you know, everything that you can think of. So that's been a cool podcast since I've got to Tulsa that I started listening to to just allow me to broaden my horizons in no matter what it is and mm-hmm. find other things to talk about other than basketball, sports, yeah. and, you know, religion. You yeah. know, those are both the three things I can talk to, yeah. to anybody about. But then once it's outside of that, I'm, yeah. you know. Yeah. So this allowed me to open my horizons a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a great podcast to check out. Okay. So do you have any favorite pieces of advice you ever heard? Um, like I said, my track and cross country coach, mm-hmm. I think I didn't even yeah. realize it in, in, in the moment, you know, she was talking about taking care of your body and eating healthy and training, but when is what's important now. So I think not getting caught up, you know, in the future. Like I think if, if our first game, we played North Dakota in the conference tournament, if we were so caught up in like, oh, we're gonna play South Dakota State in the second round. Yeah. I think we very easily would have lost that first game, but our, our guys really focused in on doing what was important to win, then worrying about rehab, then worrying about next scout. So and everything I do now, I've tried to focus on being in the moment, being present. Because I think if I look so far in the future or my mistakes in the past, yeah, I won't, I won't be able to, to, to do what's important now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what about uh, if there's a, a person out there who's wanting to 
be a college or professional coach, what advice would you give to a young person trying to get in the profession? I would say just kind of be at it. I've heard no a million times or uh -huh. like you weren't a player. Like, you know, I think it's easy in the coaching industry to get written off whether you're qualified or not. Um, but I think when you believe in yourself and trust in yourself, you just kind of grind and work every day. I think good things will happen. And uh, like I, I told you the story of me getting a, the GA position as a as a as I graduated. But before that, I had email after email after email from schools yeah. like, oh, we're not looking for somebody. Oh, we already have somebody. Oh, you're not. You know, you don't have our what we're looking for. That it's easy to lose faith in yourself. And I think one thing I've learned is like. Just because you hear no, it doesn't necessarily mean it's done. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I had people who, who, and I think that's th something that motivates me is people that write you off almost prepares me more. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to prove this person wrong. Yeah. So I'd say someone trying to get in it, I would just tell them, like, believe in yourself and, and don't get caught up in the bad parts because, you know, ultimately the hills are way better than the valleys, but there's going to be a little bit of both. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if uh, the doors don't open, go through the window. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> or find something else. <laughs> yeah, find something. So, yeah, and I think that's a, a good point. Obviously, as you've shared with us on your story, is just like the preparation, the commitment mm -hmm. to just just continue to do what you're doing and to be focused on where you're going, but also be really good at what you're doing now and winning what's important now in yeah. the moment. Because that's one thing I think people don't see. People could look and see, oh, man, well, uh, you know, especially now, you guys had great success. Yeah. So now you're like, wow, like he just got to, put, to be at ORU or they just went to Sweet 16. Yeah. But people don't understand the hours of preparation and time that you put in mm -hmm. to get to that point. Oh, yeah. You know, the emails that you sent out, the hundreds of no's you might have gotten, and then uh, being able to say, you know what, I, this, I'm committed to this. Yeah. I'm going to do it no matter what, no matter how many no's, I'm going to find an end, I'm going to make it happen, and it's going to work out. And ultimately, I think, you know, those no's led me to ORU. Yeah. You know, the first school I emailed said yes, maybe in a better position, but I honestly doubt I'm in a position that I like more than where I am now. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, last, I'd like to ask you, what do you think building excellence means to you? Man, building excellence, I think, is just like commitment to your beliefs. And I think that's one thing that ORU is really strong about, you know, our beliefs, you know, in the Bible, we're, you know, courageous about it. We're not going to back down to somebody. Um, but at the same time, beliefs in our players, beliefs in ourself. And so I think to be excellent, you have to have belief in whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so we believe every day we're prepared to go win. And I think that's what makes us excellent. And, mm -hmm. you know, we may not win every game, but I think just because you lose it doesn't mean you're not excellent in what you're doing. Yeah. So I think the belief in yourself, belief in your program, belief in your mission statement kind of is what propels you to be excellent. Yeah, awesome. Well, Ian, thanks for being on the show. Really Thank you. appreciate it. Thanks for you know, doing what you do, coaching, making a difference in, in guys' lives, and uh, really excited to watch you in your future. Thank you. So, thanks. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. 
Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.